Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Welcome to Security Scott Podcast. My name is Brian Horning. I'm here with my co-hosts, Reginald Andre and Randy Bryan. How are you, gentlemen? Happy holidays. Happy holidays. I'm doing great, man. Hey, we had a 80-degree Christmas this year yeah. in Texas. I'd rather I'd have that over like a 40-degree in rain like I had. It was amazing. It's nice. Andre, can I, I don't, I couldn't hear you that well. You, is your mic up? Uh, yep. Can you hear me? Okay. Right, yeah, you're good. Yep. yep. All right. Yeah. Our, our holidays was really well. We had an outdoor, about 80 degrees as well, um, right in the backyard. So it was really fun. Nice. So welcome to the Security Squawk Podcast. Mm -hmm. It's where we talk about cybersecurity, all things going on out there. We're going to educate you a little bit today on the show. Talk about some, uh, real quick, getting into some ransomware attacks that are currently underway that really aren't getting a lot of press. So we kind of want to bring that to everybody's attention. Um, and then uh, and then we're going to go through the, the biggest cyber attacks that happened over 2021. Uh I guess we'll kind of go through an article that we found on CRN that kind of rates them. And we'll talk about uh, whether we agree with that or not. And then uh, and then we'll give you some advice on what you can be doing going into 2022. So um, first one I'm going to pull up, gentlemen, is the one that we identified. I guess it's the most recent uh, and probably, you know, a very popular um photo sharing application for a lot of people. Uh, and that's Shutterfly. Shutterfly has unfortunately fallen victim uh, to the Conti ransomware gang in a ransomware attack. Uh, and I have that up on the screen here with um, uh, our friends over at Bleeping Computer who are phenomenal and all over pretty much every story that comes out around this kind of stuff. Um, what do we know? Uh, Andre, what happened over at Shutterfly? Yep, so Shutterfly, which is the photo uh, giant, they do, um, in addition to Shutterfly, they have a lot of other sub-companies and they sell their services not only to consumers, but to enterprise and education. And um, it's being reported that they have um, over 4,000 uh, computers and about 120 servers that are currently right now have ransomware on them, where um, essentially those computers cannot be used. That's exactly right. And I did read in the article that um, like Shutterfly.com and a couple other other properties that it owns under the Shutterfly brand hasn't really been affected. So users of Shutterfly might be like, hey, I'm, I'm on Shutterfly right now and I can upload my stuff. I'm fine. There's other companies that they own. I know Life Touch is one of them, and I know that they're manufacturing. I'm assuming that has to do with like the printing. When you get pictures and you upload them to Shutterfly, I think you can buy like mugs and put your picture on those products and things like that. And it sounds like that maybe those services might have been impacted. Um, Randy, what else do you know about this attack? Um, I know they're in negotiations right now to possibly pay the ransom, which um, is in the the millions. Um, I'm concerned, like, what about personal information of the customers? Are they going to just yeah. like, throw yeah, the, photos it's, on the it's, internet? It's known at this point, at least it's been publicly released at this point, that uh, 
the data they've been there in there for day in several days, if not weeks. Uh, and Conti actually has a a dark web publicly shaming site where they are where where they are basically releasing information about all the stuff that they have on Shutterfly. Um, and they're claiming they have some usernames and passwords from certain Shutterfly property accounts. So be interesting to see where where this goes and where this ends up. So anything else you gentlemen want to add to this? Uh, yeah, they um, also mentioned how they have uh, screenshots of legal agreements, bank and merchant account information, login credentials for corporate services, login information. Yeah. Um, spreadsheets and so forth and in customer information. So it's interesting when you look at how certain companies react. In this case, uh, the report is that they are in negotiations of pain versus other companies similar size where they're saying flat out, we're not going to pay you anything. Um, so it's just interesting because uh, it may be related to the information that they have and the setup they have to restore all of that data. So um, um, in this case, since they're negotiating, that tells me that that the information that they have is in, very important to them. They don't want it to go out and possibly to restore 4,000 computers may just be cheaper just to pay that ransomware. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree with that. Randy, anything you want to add uh, before we move on to the next yes. ransomware attack? Well, I do. So this um, okay. this group, we've mentioned several times in the past uh, months, by the way, sorry to interrupt, but up on the screen, if you're watching live, we have the actual, um, this is the uh, the publicly accessible uh, dark web shame, publicly shaming site. Um, and this, you know, obviously shows Shutterfly Inc. And um, the data will be published and they have a little countdown up there saying basically we're going to publish this in five days and there's a little, little countdown and you know they send this to everybody to get them all you know hyped up and scared to get them to pay the ransom so go ahead randy yeah i was just going to say we've mentioned several times over the past several months about ransomware as a service um and so that's what this group does the conti ransomware group um this is ransomware as a service where um, they have affiliates do their work. They have a core team that develops the processes and, you know, and all the malware, this and that. And then the affiliates are out there getting into networks and things like that. So probably that's that's what's going on here. Um, it's crazy because one of the things that I just kind of realized is ransomware as a service also raises the notoriety of the actual ransomware group because anytime this happens it's going to automatically say conti um even though you know they're not out there in the trenches most likely with this one most likely it's their affiliates that are actually doing the work but they're getting all the glory for it 100 yep good point so let's jump into the the next one and i and i think this one's a little bit more interesting because shutterflies hit the news a little bit um, but not a lot of people know about or are talking about this one. And I know uh, when I brought this to your gentleman's attention, um, at least Randy, you were like, hey, man, this is two weeks old. Well, it's like we didn't talk about this at all on this show yet. Um, and really, from my research, I could only find one article that actually talked about this on the Internet. Like, is this didn't make CNN, this didn't make anywhere else. 
uh, and I and so to date, there's an art. This article uh, was it was actually written the other day, um, but there's another article that was written. Um, I forget what magazine it was, but um, that was written right right when the ransomware attack happened, and this one was was written just the other day. Um, December 27th is actually the date on this. Uh, but the ransomware attack actually happened on December 12th. Um, so the first thing I want to ask you guys is, why are we hearing about this? Um, they are down. They took their systems offline. Um, you know, not saying what types of systems, but I don't see how this is not on par with Colonial Pipeline. And we saw how much... Uh, press and and you know how much coverage the colonial pipeline received why is this really flying under the radar for most mainstream media is it because of the holidays is it because people are just kind of dumb with ransomware attacks for 2021 like help me understand this i have a couple theories go ahead brother um, well it could be that and they're not conspiracy theories i don't think but um <laughs> just kidding um but Maybe, maybe the one company that reported it just doesn't have, you know, enough followers or whatever for the article to ever really gain traction. And then also um, looking down into the article pretty far, which we know this now two weeks later, but it said that they already had a disaster recovery plan in place. And so with, with great speed, they've been working through this getting back to where they can, you know, do what they need to do. Um, that doesn't explain why it hasn't been picked up over the last two weeks, but we know now two weeks into it, that at least they had a really good plan. They were ready to deal with things, nip things in the bud, get things uh, under control and move back into, uh, into action. So um, other than that, I don't know why. I, I just have to think that maybe just the outlet that published it just didn't have enough followers you know, enough of a following for it to gain traction. Superior said it took steps to secure its systems and engage independent cybersecurity expert to mitigate the impact of the ransomware attack on its data and operations. Um, I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if I got the best, I don't know if I got the feeling that they had things handled from an incident response standpoint um, or whether they had. Reading from right there uh, where uh, Saru Nayar is mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a couple of paragraphs just talking about things they had in place. Okay. Yeah. Um, potentially so they're they, an outsider. They, they... So may or may not be true. Yeah. So uh, that's good. That's good. It looks like at least Superior seems to be well prepared to deal with the issue, having shut down servers early on and uh, currently attempting to bring them back up gradually. Um, so it's interesting to me. I mean, I don't know why this isn't getting the coverage, um, that colonial pipeline did maybe because they're not shutting, you know, colonial pipeline shut off gas, you know, flow. Right. And maybe they're not shutting off gas flow here, or at least they're not saying, um, <clears throat> so I can't get, I can't gauge it, but, um, Andre, any thoughts on why, we're not hearing about this as much as we did Colonial Pipeline, or do, maybe I'm just overthinking this. 
Yeah, I think it could just be that the everyday consumer, although it is, you know, winter season and people are using propane to heat up their their houses for uh, for heat and, you know, barbecues and whatever the case is. But um, I think it's just a matter of of the end user consumer didn't get affected as compared to the colonial pipeline and that media buzz just didn't. Um, and obviously we're dealing with the, the COVID situation. So perhaps the media is just still focused on that and not 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 talking about this right now. It may be sure. on a slow news day that could have been it's a good point. No, it's a good point. You you're right. But here we are. You know, it's happening. Critical infrastructure attacked again. Not saying who the group is, probably because uh you know I think I think I'm up Randy's alley there. They don't want to name they don't want to say it's Russians because now it's like oh Russians are attacking uh critical infrastructure again and you know president's not doing anything about it or the administration's not doing anything about it. I think there's that element as part of this. Um, let's not kid ourselves. So, um, so let's get into our main topic for today, gentlemen, which is the 10 biggest cyber and ransomware attacks of 2021. Now, as I was looking at this article, the really cool thing is in the beginning, um, they listed the, they had articles back to when they did this last year and when they did it in 2019. Um, and real quickly, before we dive into each attack, I want to want to quickly point out the data that they, they showed in 2020. Uh, and most notably out of the 11 attacks that they put on the list, uh, I guess they put 11 instead of 10. Uh, they cost uh, 144.2 million. At least that was the cost, or that was what they were asking for in just the ransomware payment, right? Not everything else that it's going to cost around the actual event. So I just wanted to point that out because moving into 2021, um, there's a pretty big difference in that number. And we're going to show that right here. And we went from what, 141 to 320. Mm-hmm. And that one looked at 11 attacks, and this one actually only looks at 10. So the numbers are going up more than double, right? Uh, so for the, for the ransom. Are you guys surprised about that to see that in 2021 of the big attacks – these numbers have now doubled, same number of attacks, and now you go from 140 some million over 11 attacks, really, to 320 over 10. And this is just the ransomware demand. Again, these companies have costs associated with dealing with the attack and all that stuff. This is just what the cyber criminals are asking for. Not surprised at all. And the day becomes half a billion and then a billion. That'd be crazy. Yeah, it's not surprising at, at all, really. It's almost triple. I mean, it's just a hundred, hundred million short of tripling, um, and you know we're seeing that all the way down to smaller, the smallest of businesses, the smallest of attacks, all the way up. It's just, it's just going to keep increasing. Yep. I mean, to a certain point, I guess once it reaches a hundred percent market saturation, then they'll have to find someone something else. But I don't think we're there yet. So uh, just a couple highlights from before we dive into each attack and then kind of give our opinion on whether we agree if they, they rated these correctly. Before the biggest ransomware attacks were carried out by our evil, um, 
which who are, are now gone, just, just to point that out. Uh, two were executed by Darkseid, uh, while Conti, Doppelpamer, Lockbit, and Phoenix were responsible for one massive attack each. But I got to tell you, Conti is responsible for a lot of ransomware attacks, like little ones that nobody hears about. Um, three of the victims are based in the United States, two in Ireland, two are in Taiwan, and one in Brazil, Germany, and South Korea, respectively. Uh, the other interesting uh, data that I wanted to point out here is four of the largest ransomware victims are in the technology space, while the remaining span verticals from financial services, healthcare, and automobile manufacturing to food production, oil and gas, and chemicals. So um, they like to hit technology companies, but you also see other uh, spaces. And it's interesting to me that healthcare is on here. Um, I, I believe if I remember the list, there's only one healthcare entity on the list, but there was a lot of hospitals and a lot of uh, healthcare organizations hit with ransomware uh, in 2021. Um, so before we jump into the list, anything stand out to you guys uh, in these stats that they laid out um, in the list? Don't everyone talk. I mean, not really. I mean, I think I think they're not necessarily targeting specific industries. And I also don't think that they are, they're saying, oh, that's critical infrastructure. Let's ignore that. I think they're targeting everything that they can get their hands on. And it just so happens these industries are the ones that made the list. I don't know that it was necessarily concerted efforts. It may be like in the technology where if they get, you know, if they bring down a Kaseya, they have potentially access to tens of thousands of other businesses, you know, but other than that, I just think they're just trying to get everywhere they can. I'm with you. So first one up the bat here, uh, we have Colonial Pipeline. It's tied for ninth, technically 10th. They paid a ransom of $4.4 million, um, and it was obviously in May, and it shut down the 5,500-mile 5, natural gas pipeline for five days. And, and that might be why you know we were just talking about the natural gas line uh, company that got hit. And that might be why, because it doesn't sound like they had to shut anything down, or at least they're not reporting that they had to. Um, I would imagine it would be a bigger deal if they had to. So um, do you guys agree with the with that Colonial Pipeline is, is number 10, or maybe we should wait until we reveal some of the others? But um, do you think Colonial Pipeline is, it was number 10? Um, I, I think it was even bigger because even the response, this is when we saw the response from the U.S. government, well, publicly, the response from the U.S. government, where isn't this the one where they actually went back and was able to get some of the money that they paid? Yep. Uh, part of that, part of that was, was that was uh, they were able to recover some of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they were able to track some of the payments, but, um, yeah, I think this was a little bit more just because of the timing of it. This was like the beginning of the of the big ransomware attacks uh, that got hit. So even though they only paid 4.4 million, I think the, the impact psychologically through the press, through the media, and everything, um, I think, like quite frankly, in terms of impact, this was probably top three in my opinion. 
um, in terms of ransomware being put in the map in, for most Americans. And that's, I, I believe it, this should be ranked higher simply because of that. So, Randy, any thoughts? Well, they probably maybe they're ranking it on just actual ransom that was paid. Yeah, I don't care how they're ranking. I'm just, yeah. And then I, mean, um, I would say also this attack, um, a big part of this attack was credentials of employees that had left. Um, very important when you have an employee leave that you do a full offboarding um, and get rid of passwords, access to accounts and things like that, or else somebody could get into your network and use those. Maybe they've been leaked, um, use those to gain access, which is pretty much what they did with Colonial. So when we got the other type for ninth or the one in ninth, I guess, right? Brentag. Um, chemical distributor Brentag in May paid $4.4 million uh, to Bitcoin uh, to the dark side ransomware gang to receive the decryptor for uh, encrypted files. Um and it targeted their North American division with hackers uh, encrypting devices on the network and stealing unencrypted yeah. files. So um, personally, I'm not as familiar with this one. Um, what do you guys know about this one? Um, they claim those stolen 150 gigs of, of data. Um, and then they ended up, you know, asking for 7.5 million. They ended up getting four. Um and they claim it's stolen credentials. Sounds a lot like Colonial Pipeline. What are you guys' thoughts on this one? Yeah, for this one, I also never, I actually never heard of this one either, but it, it makes sense about the stolen credentials and why, um, going back to why it's so important that you get password managers, you don't reuse your passwords, et cetera. Yeah. And I think probably why we didn't hear about it is A, it's even though it was our North American operations. I mean, obviously, it was out there. It was just—I just think Colonial Pipeline took so much of the noise around that time that mm. um, you know stuff like this wasn't a big, wasn't as big of a deal because you know when Americans lose their gas, apparently that's a huge, huge, huge problem. So, uh, Randy, any thoughts on Brentag? No, I'm, once again, this one kind of went under the radar. There's a little bit here about them uh, purchasing stolen credentials, right? So, I'd love to know a little bit more um, about that. Yeah, and, and remote desktop credentials, right? Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I think this is in the right spot around 10. I definitely don't think this even compares to Colonial Pipeline. I think Colonial Pipeline getting stuffed at the end of this list here is a, is a misstep. Um, you know, maybe they're basing it based on the ransom paid. Um, but we got ransom paid of $11 million for JBS Meat, which happened right after... Uh, the Colonial Pipeline attack in June, and they paid 11 million to our evil um, at, that knocked out their plants. And there was a big concern around the meat process, processing and the supply chain around, um, you know, meat and grocery stores and restaurants and how that was all going to play out. So uh, JBS was attacked in June. They paid 11 million. It ranks number eight on the list here for CRN. You guys agree? Yeah, yeah. This one was this one was, and I and I kind of snuck in and looked at some of the other ones. But yeah, this one is a good place. I think and, any if anything for me, the Acer one should be here, and the JBS one should be up. I'm not exactly sure where up, but 
the Acer one to me for a lot of different reasons is probably number eight in my opinion, but go ahead. Um, I was just going to say this one was um, psychological because you mm -hmm. had, had a lot of psychological damage because you had gas attacked in May and, you know, you had long lines at gas stations, you know, where that were colonial served. And then, boom, the very next month, you've got your meat pipeline, if you will, gets attacked and you start seeing uh, shortages. That was one fifth of the meat supply, either shortages or prices going up. So a lot of psychological impact of this one. I agree. So now we got kind of jumping up tied for sixth here. $20 million ransom. So that must be kind of the, the barometer here is, is the ransom just keeps going up as we move up the list. Um, but again, we don't know if Kia paid it because I've covered this one extensively on my own YouTube channel. Um, we don't know if Kia paid the ransom, uh, but it, there was a $20 million ransom requested. So there's a difference between when you see ransom paid and ransom requested, right? Um, so uh, it said Kia Motors... Uh, that it would be released, that the exfiltrated data that they stole would be released if the company didn't negotiate. So that leads people to believe that there was a negotiation uh, and then some kind of some kind of payment. That's why it's kind of laid out like like it is. So uh, I like where this is placed at, at number six. Um, I think they they evaluated this one well, and I think it. Uh, for the size of the company and the number of uh, consumers that could potentially be impacted, um, I think it garnered the proper media attention, and uh, and I do believe it's it's a good place to be, like five or six on the list. So, what do you guys think? I mean, for for the amount of information that Kia has on electric intellectual property for their systems, I mean, it's kind of like this would have been a huge thing if if these um, hackers started to sell this information to their, their competitors or whoever. So I think it was um, very important for them to deal with this. And I think it's at a good spot. Yeah, I agree. I'm a little confused by that last paragraph that said that Kia, Kia told Bleeping Computer that they had seen no evidence they'd suffered a ransomware attack. And oh, yeah. they similarly said they have no ev evidence of a ransomware attack. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like they... They aren't even they've never admitted that they actually had this, but there's been enough evidence out there that it happened. Oh, and that's these are probably the subsidiaries of, of the worldwide. Maybe I'm not sure why they say what they say. Anyway, well, I mean, when I did when I did you when I did a video on this on my YouTube channel, I had key employees posting on my YouTube channel saying that, like, their systems were down for weeks. They weren't able to, oh, wow. especially on the service side of the business, seem to you know, mechanic, the mechanics and all that who repair the cars, it seemed to impact them more than selling the cars. So, yeah. So it was like, you see a nationwide IT outage that affected their mobile UVO link apps, phone services, payment systems, owner portal, internal sites used by dealerships. Uh, and then Hyundai told, you know, them the same thing. So that's a good one. So, Moving on, Ireland's health service, tied for number six. Wow. Um, when you're talking about people's lives and the things that could have happened here, and this was, again, Conti, um, who was currently the, the group uh, who is assaulting Shutterfly and probably, you know, tens of dozens of other companies that we're just not hearing about. 
Um, but this was a big one. I, I would go like maybe top three, four. This definitely has to be in the top five for me. Um, 20 million uh, re requested again. Uh, and this was a big deal over in Ireland. They got hit with ransomware. It disrupted their healthcare system for, for weeks. Um, uh, and this happened in May as well. So what do you guys, what do you guys think about this one? You know, I'm not a big fan of paying the ransom, um, but they swore over and over they weren't going to pay the ransom. But the bottom line is 700 gigabytes of unencrypted files um, were stolen. So that means like if you are, you know, you're in the registry or whatever with Ireland's health service and your patient information gets leaked, um, you're going to see things like um attacks on your credit. You might see phishing emails that are directed to you specifically, like all kinds of stuff could come out of this for each and every person whose information is leaked. I mean, the possibilities are endless. I, like I said, I'm not a fan of paying the ransom, but I, I wonder if they should have just paid the dang ransom since yeah. all that unencrypted data was leaked. Correct. Yeah. I, I just think this needs to be higher up on the list just because of the impact. So Andre, what do you think? Nope. Same as what Randy said. I mean, it's interesting when, when it's someone's life, they don't pay it, but when it's intellectual property or something like that, that's the business's bottom line, they're going to shell it out. No problem. So you see where their priorities are. Yep. All right, cool. So who's up next? CNA insurance number five. Wow. So they paid 40 million. Um, I'm, I've covered, I covered this a ton on my channel. Um, this is, you know, for, for a insurance giant that, uh, is this large number one and actually offers, uh, cyber insurance. Um, you know, this, th these are things that just can't happen and they did. So, um, I think it's right, right around top five. Um, it was a big deal. I don't think it got as much play and coverage and, didn't impact, but like um, people have to understand like stuff like this happening, you know, this data and this information and these types of companies uh, getting attacked. Uh, it's far more impactful in my mind than, you know, not being able to have gas for a few days. So um, what are your guys thoughts on this? Oh, well, I love the statement that's in the middle paragraph where it says CNA told the SEC that its own insurance policies may not cover potential damages. Yeah. So the insurance company was underinsured. Yep. So, and it's, so and was it's not, the data ever leaked? Um, I don't remember. Um, I mean, they paid the hackers, so. Yep. They, they paid them, so I don't think so. But imagine, like, if you have information on, like, somebody's coverages for a certain thing, you know, life insurance, you know, whatever, you know. Think of all the things that you could, you know, do or use in an extortion scheme against all of their clients once you start, you know, using or selling this data or just, you know, just the amount of money that they can make selling the information to, you know, other criminals who like to steal people's identities and things like that so i think this is right in line top five maybe should be i don't know let's see who number four is and then quanta so they're tied for two this was a big deal um 
they 50 million uh and this was this was a I definitely think that Ireland Health and CNA should be in front of this one. Um, it was a big deal, and they went after them, but they only requested fifty million. I don't think they got paid fifty million, uh, and they tried to go after Apple through this. They tried to, since this company designed uh, things for Apple products, they tried to basically leverage that relationship and that contract that Quanta has with Apple to try to get paid more. They almost tried to basically extort Apple and, and Tim Cook pretty much said, you know, go pound sand. Um, so what do you guys think about this one in the right spot or not so much? I mean, I think it made the spot for the amount of the ransom requested, but as far as impact, I mean, I'd put it farther down the list. I wouldn't put it up here tied for number two. That's for sure. Yeah. They're not, we're not talking about data. They're not protecting people's private information. They design computers and laptops for, you know, some of the largest corporations. But at the end of the day, all laptops look the same to me. How proprietary can these cases and stuff like that be? Yeah. So um, I think this is too high up on the list. I'd actually slide this down closer to the bottom, in my opinion. I'd probably be probably down towards where Colonial Pipeline is and move everything else up. Um because I know we're going to come up to uh, to another company next that I probably think is way too high. But again, it's these requested ransoms that really throw this list off, in my opinion, because you can request $100 million from a, from a company that does a million dollar uh, a year in revenue. It doesn't mean they're go you're going to get it, right? So um, any additional thoughts on this, guys? Good to go? Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah. So Acer, <clears throat> tied for second, $50 million again. That has to be that ransom requested. Now, these guys have been attacked more than once, and that's kind of just my thing. Um, but um, I, I just think this is too high. Um, there, again, Acer is a, 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 a computer manufacturer. It's not like they're a cloud company or they're hosting – um, information. They were able to get a lot of ACERs, financial spreadsheets, bank balances, and bank communications. Um, so this was a big deal for ACER and it's a big company, but in terms of like the data they were able to get, the data, you know, it wasn't customer information. And quite frankly, um, they build a luxury item in, in a lot of ways. They don't build, it's not, you know, healthcare. It's not, you know, get it's not uh, critical infrastructure in my opinion so this this needs to be towards the bottom of the list i understand that the ransom requested was 50 million um they never got it so uh as, a, as far as attacks go down on the list but it is a big one um and it was also a large ransom demand but that's about it so what do you guys think about about this one with acer i mean you pretty much covered it i honestly would put the quanta above acer because diagrams could potentially be used to find some sort of hack or weakness or vulnerability who knows but um you know this is just company information of acer which sucks but you know i would probably put it down lower on the list but i know that's probably up here for the 50 million mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and it, this happened right after the exchange uh, vulnerability was disclosed by Microsoft back in back in the spring of 2021. So there's a lot of speculation that this could have potentially have been as a result of that, but we don't really know. Uh, and then another one tied for second as Accenture. So one of the IT companies on the list. Uh, it's a big deal at the time. And Accenture is one of the largest uh, IT providers in the world. Um, and the other thing is, is that I know for a fact that Accenture, Accenture is involved in a lot of ransomware remediations. Um, and here you have a company that was that, 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 that kind of does this for a living, and they were found themselves in the midst of a ransomware attack in August of 2021. So um, what do you guys think about this one? Is it in the right spot? Do you agree, disagree? Now again, same thing. They demanded, but they never they never paid it, right? Uh, they demanded fifty million, but I I would imagine that they didn't disclose it. Um, they published two thousand files on the dark web, so my guess is that they they didn't pay anything. Yeah, and then uh, this last sentence says that uh, Accenture said that. Um, we have completed a thorough forensic review of documents on the attached sensor systems, and this claim is false. So, seems they were even denying it to a point as well. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yes, I don't. Uh, I mean, I guess because it it is an IT company, and this is what they do, so it's kind of an egg in their face, and they're like, you know, how can you be claiming you're protecting us, and here you you don't have your stuff in order. Mm-hmm. And the fallout from this is going to happen. You know, it happened in August in August of 2021. So, um, you know, they're going to have some clients under contract. When those contracts come up for renewal, people are going to remember these types of things and they might move on. Um, and we're really not going to see the fallout from this probably until, you know, the first or second quarter of 2022 in terms of, you know, has there been attrition in customer retention uh, or, you know, what's our customer retention been like or have customers moved on as a result of, of this? I got to believe if you're a security company uh, and you're providing cybersecurity consulting services. Now, Accenture does a lot more than just that. They do a lot of consulting uh, for big companies. Um, I just don't know how you continue with a company or at least look at other options uh, when something like this happens. So, Randy, any thoughts before we move on to... I think number one's next. I mean, I will say that that an attack on your company is a matter of when and not if. So even companies like this are going to get attacked. Um, so, you know, I don't know. This this is this probably belongs at number two. Um, it probably is a is a solid number two on this list or very high on the list because it does impact a lot of potential customers also. I agree. And number one on the list, uh, the biggest one, according to CRM magazine, because of the ransomware requested was $70 million. Kaseya, we are obviously intimately familiar with this attack. Um, when you're talking about a tool that um, companies like ours, the three of ours, you use, which Kaseya is, I don't, I'm not saying we use it, but it is a tool that we can use in our business. Um, you're very intimate with the, the kind of the, the details of what happened here. So they were able to successfully compromise 60 MSPs 
uh, in July over around the 4th of July holiday. I think it was actually July 3rd, like before it all went down in the very uh, early afternoon here in the East Coast anyway. Um, Let's talk about it. I do think it belongs at number one uh, just because of the amount of computers that were were able to be encrypted uh, as a result of this. Uh, And I also think it was an eye-opening way for companies to evaluate how their own software can be compromised, right? Um, I think we learned a lot about software supply chains as a result of this attack. Um, And what what are your guys' thoughts on uh, how this all went down? This is the one that kept us IT guys up at night thinking, are we, is, is our supply chain, the people that we use to remote into systems, are they going to be next if a company like Kaseya could have happened? So I know for me, um, right after this, we started to use a tool that would have, uh, that would have blocked this, um, this, this type of um, attack. So um, yeah, I definitely this should be number one, a lot, a lot of lessons learned here. And, and I would even say, in the IT community, as far as the tools that we use, they started to take security more serious. There was a lot of times we would do feature requests when it came to, you know, enabling two-form factor or IP restrictions, and and those things were ignored. And as soon as this happened, all of a sudden, um, the tools that us MSP uses, they started to listen more and, and take uh, take action. There's um, yeah, you know, there's some there's a lot of silver linings in this story though because. Kaseya had a reputation, right or wrong, I'm just saying a reputation as, hey, we take over companies and we just milk them for what it's worth. Um, They had a reputation for not spending enough on security um, that they should. Um, That, I think, hopefully has either A, caused them to do that, or B, which would be a silver lining. And then also it's caused more companies to be aware of who you use in your supply chain, like like Andre was just saying, um, it's caused more companies to be more serious about their security, and they were able to get the unencryption or the decryption key, um, and they arrested um, some people. Um, so a lot of silver linings came out of this, and and this was probably for you know an IT provider for an MSP. This is probably one of the scariest ones that we've seen, like, like Andre said, this will keep you up at night. Um, Cause they, if they can get into this, they can get into anything. Right. I mean, it, in a, but it also goes to show you that it's not just our industry that has, is susceptible to something like this. It could be the accounting industry where they're able to get control of, you know, the software that's very common in accounting businesses. Right. And, you know, they're able to, you know, get control of the system through that and, and deploy ransomware because this can, can happen a lot of different ways. IT tools are our favorite because they usually have very, they already have the rights that, that hackers want, you know, to, so it makes it easy for them. They don't have to manipulate the system, you know, to actually deploy this stuff, you know, at mass scale, it's already kind of in place for them. It's there for them. So, um, the other interesting thing for me on this one is uh, <clears throat> we we still don't know how they got the decryptor key. Um, they were able to get the decryptor key, and we still don't know how it happened. And 
you know, is, is it going to be one of those things that we'll just never, never know, or will we, will we one day find out how this actually all went down? So um, I would love to know one day uh, when appropriate, how they actually got the key. Um, was it, was it a misstep or, you know, was it our government or how did it happen? So I, I just watched the movie taken uh, the night before last with my <laughs> wife. So I'm imagining a shakedown. And some people showed up in suburbans and did a shakedown and got the got the key. I don't know. Or Humvees. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So uh, before we wrap up the show, what we're going to wrap up the show with, guys, we're going to give you one or two things um, that we think you should be doing heading into 2022. So, you, you know, if you work at one of these big companies, you don't want to end up on this list. And you don't want to deal with a ransomware attack in 2022. So what are some stuff? some things that you can do. Um, we're going to keep it pretty low level, like uh, at the individual level, we're not going to tell you to go out and invest, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars into the best security in the world. Just like simple things that you can do uh, to be aware and to uh, protect yourself. Uh, so in line with that, we have a question from Steven. And he asked, do you guys see any emerging trends that lead to these attacks being successful for example do you notice any particular mistakes made by all these victimized businesses and i quite frankly i do um i'm gonna just take that off so we can see randy and I'm, i don't really need to share my screen anymore um so let's wrap a little bit guys um what are some mistakes that you guys see being made all the time and i guess we can kind of you know each share one mistake that we see being made all the time. Maybe we'll overlap, but uh, Randy, why don't you start us off? What is one mistake and one thing somebody can do to not make that mistake anymore? Yeah, that's a, that, cause that's a great question. And that's kind of how we wanted to wrap up on this also. So uh, really good uh, question. I came up with a list of four. I'll just pick the first one off the list because it came up first, but if these four came up over these 10, over the 10 or whatever that we just looked at, um, but I would say offboarding, properly offboarding an employee. Employee leaves, shut down all their accounts, you know, make sure that everything is properly handled and you don't have like, you know, Joe's access to the server, you know, after Joe's been gone for three months or whatever. You know what I mean? Like all that stuff needs to be uh, shut down. So offboarding is a big mistake. Yep. Not having the process for proper offboarding and obviously, you know, you know, if you don't have a proper offboarding process in your HR team, meaning, you know, you just fire somebody and they walk out the door and there's no there's no paperwork or anything like that that you're actually filling out, then you probably don't have a good offboarding process for IT either. So you should have it on, on both sides, the HR side and the IT side. But if you already have it for HR, then you just need to add the language in there for the IT. Make sure the IT gets notified and proper uh, notification happens to the people who have the authority to disable accounts, change passwords, whatever you decide your policy is. Uh, a lot of times that involves like what, Randy, forwarding email, you know, when mm -hmm. that person leaves to mm -hmm. somebody or taking mm -hmm. a, a snapshot of the mailbox or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so there's all these things that you need to consider in your offboarding process um, that you should have in your policy. So when things go down, you don't, you're not constantly remembering, oh, yeah, I, I fired that guy a month ago, and I don't. I think his account's still active. Um, and yeah. In the case of uh, Colonial, real quick, it wasn't that Joe, you know, Joe left the company, and then, you know, Joe maliciously attacked the company. Um, 
Joe left the company. I think I think it was even years before. Right. Well, Joe left the company, and then LinkedIn got hacked, right? Yeah, and his LinkedIn password were on, were on the web, exactly. on the dark web, and then Joe's LinkedIn password was the same as his VPN to dial in. Exactly. And, and then that's how they got in. So, so that's why you want um, to offboard. Exactly. So, Andre. We're heading into like 50 minutes here, so I guess we'll we'll just answer Steven's question here with and then we'll wrap it up. So what do you, what do you see? Uh, what do you see anything common that you see in these attacks that people should be aware of and, and maybe be uh, making some changes or adding some things to their security tool chest coming in 2022? Um, what I've seen a common thing between the top 10 is legacy software, legacy hardware. So you're they're running a system that is no longer supported no longer receive patches. And especially with this log4j for 2022 and how many systems are out there, I see that we're going to, we're going to get a huge, huge traction on that. So if you have anything that is no longer um, being patched by the manufacturer, no matter how much it costs, come up with a new process, a new system and turn off that thing and disconnect it from the internet. Well, that's a great point. I love it. Um, updating these systems and understanding that like systems that like you mentioned andre that are no longer being updated by the manufacturer they go end of life um you know they don't go end of life overnight they don't just wake up one morning and say hey we're not going to support this product tomorrow there's a there's usually a roadmap and they give you a timeline for when that uh when that product's going to go out of life so uh companies like ours we manage that for other for companies, you know, for businesses like, hey, that that firewall you bought, it's coming end of life in the next 12 months and then you can budget and roadmap. So, you know, the day it becomes end of life or you find out it's it's been end of life for three months and now you're feeling like you have to go grab money from somewhere because you weren't planning for it. And it just feels like uh, an unexpected expense or an unexpected thing that you have to deal with in your business. Uh, and I got to tell you that that's not how IT it should be in anyone's business where you're kind of being told like uh, out of the blue that you got to spend money on something. Uh, and that all goes back to kind of what Randy was talking about is having a plan and having, you know, defined processes around all this stuff in your business. It's, it's critically important um, that you pay attention to these things in your business and don't treat them like, um, hey, I'll just fix it when it breaks type of attitude because uh, the biggest thing that we're trying to point out to you is the cyber criminals are feasting on this stuff. When this stuff is in your network, when you are letting things go like this, um, you don't want to remember that you didn't disable somebody's account or you don't want to remember that you have to update that device because usually the cyber criminals are going to beat you to the fact that that device hasn't been updated or that account has been exposed or something like that. So, well, I love both your points. Uh, anything you want to add to that, Randy? Um, well, mm -hmm. something kind of similar, I guess, um, was just patching in general. Yep. Um, so I don't know if that's a whole nother, that probably it, be a whole nother point. It so could be or not. I mean, you got what? So let's just talk about it real quick. You have to patch or update what? Hardware and software, right? Yep. And typically the hardware is called firmware. 
And typically the software is just released as a, as a patch or a security feature update or release or something along those lines. It's termed. Um, and you have to have a strategy for both, right? You can't just update Windows and think that your cybersecurity is taken care of. That's mm -hmm. there's, there's way more software on your computer than just Windows. So you have to update third-party applications like Chrome, Adobe, um, you know, your printer software. All these things come out with updates too. Um, and a lot of times automatic updates aren't turned on. You might have to just go out and re-download it off the, off the website. Um, but you should know what your processes are for updating all the software and hardware on your network, right? So I think it's a good point because people either conflate or minimize what they need to do around updating and patching all these things. So... All right, I'm going to end this show here. I'm going to wrap it up with my kind of get into 2022, and I'm going to harp on this, and it's going to seem super basic, but um, a lot of people aren't doing it just because I talk to people all the time, and, and I ask them, like, the number one question I'll ask them is, is hey, uh, you know, do you know your passwords for your bank? And they'll be like, yeah. I'm like, okay, so, like you remembered it in your head? Yeah. That tells me you're not using a password manager. Right. If you know the passwords to your bank accounts, to your social media, if you can recall them from memory, um, you're doing it wrong and you need to use a password manager. Um, yes, you're going to know the password to the password manager to unlock all your passwords, but you should not know the password to you might. It might be OK to know the password to one or two sites. But that's about it. If you know the passwords or you know what your password is for most sites or you can guess your password within like three to five tries on most sites you log into, uh, you're not tricking anybody because a cyber criminal can do the same thing just like uh, you two. And they can guess it or they can find it on the dark web or they can hack another website and get a, the same password or a similar password. Uh, and how you combat this is you invest in a password manager and you dedicate yourself to using a unique password on every site. I recommend at least 19 characters using upper, lowercase, and special characters. Randomize it as much as possible. Uh, and you don't know what that password is. And I do that from everything from my computers that I log into to every single website I log into. Um, I don't use the same password anywhere uh, at this point, and neither should you. So that's it for me, guys. What else? Uh, you guys want to add anything to that? Yeah, I would say um, dark web monitoring to go along with what you're saying about passwords. You're yeah, I mean, businesses should be doing dark web monitoring. I don't, I mean, and then what, on a personal level, kind of hire the credit reporting agencies to kind of do it a little bit for uh, you? Just something like, you know, when we talked about the uh, different, we talked about the different um, things that the different password keepers do, but like taking all of your passwords and then comparing them to known links would be uh would be uh an amazing would be an amazing thing sorry um to, just to add to what you were saying about pa uh, passwords credential leaks because your passwords that they're using against you that cost on average three hundred eighty five thousand per credential attack like those are usually they're getting those off of the dark web so to have you know your stuff being monitored at the same time would be would be huge to to know if your stuff has been leaked onto the dark web. There you go. Thanks, Randy. I had to cough there, so you saved me. Um, Andre, take us home. Got anything else you want to add? 
Uh, just going back to the log 4 j um, everyone have a happy new year and just please um, batch, talk, batch, with your, yep, talk with your IT company and, and ask them what are they doing. If they haven't sent you an email or anything or mentioned it, uh, reach out to them because I see that is going to be a top 2022 issue. And and it's, it's and, and you, you make a great point there, and I don't want to gloss over that. So let's wrap up the show on that. You just said right there. If they're not talking to you about it and if they're not saying anything, you can't assume that you're okay, right? Because this right. could be anywhere. This could be buried deep in some software that you bought five years ago, right? Um, and <clears throat> I think this is one of those things where if you're working with an IT company or if you have an IT person that is on your payroll, these individuals who you feel like are taking care of you or are responsible for this stuff um, – they should be coming to you and telling you exactly how they're detecting whether or not the vulnerability exists on your network and or telling you they can detect whether or not the vulnerability has been exploited within your environment. So um, there are two very, you know, you can do both at this point in time. You know, we, in the last week, you, we've developed a technology to detect whether you have it in, in the network. And we can also tell if you've been exploited because there's like three or four things that these guys do once they exploit it. And if those things are on a system, you know, that's been exploited. So, um, <clears throat> but more importantly, as Andre rightfully pointed out, you need to be, somebody needs to be coming to you as the CEO or as the C-level people and reassuring you that they have the tools in place to deal with this and this is how they're handling it. Um, and if that conversation is not happening, um, don't be surprised if you become a victim from uh, in 2022 from this vulnerability, um, quite frankly. And that we are going to see a lot of it because <clears throat> we saw it with Microsoft Exchange. And this isn't going to be much different once these guys really figure out how to exploit it. So, was, all right. Go ahead. Well, one thing that I don't know that we mentioned but was just training, um, cybersecurity training for your people. So they're less likely to click on things more likely to ask questions first instead of clicking first. Um, that goes a long way because people are the most vulnerable part of your organization. I agree. So that's a good one. So I, uh, I'm going to wrap up the show, gentlemen. We're almost an hour in. So thank you for your input. Um, I think I like the list from CRN. They did a great job on that list. They do actually a great job every year. They've been putting that list out since 2019. Um, and I hope everyone has a happy and safe uh, new year. And we look forward to bringing you our first show in 2022. And I'm sure we're going to have lots of uh, cyber attacks and ransomware to, to update you on uh, next week. So happy new year, everyone. Take care. We'll see you soon. Bye. -bye.